Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Billy Lucci of Texags.com will join us in 20 minutes from College Station. Looking forward to that chat. If you ever go to College Station, you're hanging out with Billy. And you have the opportunity. Hang out with Billy. No doubt. It's rare that you get that opportunity, but if you're ever there, that is the guy to know in that community. No doubt about it. He is the one that is connected to everything. By the way, his college roommate, Lions head coach Dan Campbell. Yes, that's right. Outkick 360. He's got some great Dan Campbell stories for you, too. No doubt. Uh, He's going to bring some great stories, too, behind the scenes with Jimbo Fisher today. Looking forward to that chat. Uh, gentlemen, week two is upon us. Kick off tonight with the Chargers and the Chiefs. It is time for one big thing on every NFL game this weekend. So tonight, first game on Amazon Prime. No Harrison Bucker for the Chiefs. Kansas City 5-1 and one against the division last year. Their lone loss was to the Chargers. And here's Los Angeles going against Patrick, Patrick Mahomes with Justin Herbert, who has had a lot of success against this Chiefs defense, expect the shootout. Uh, And the Chargers have loaded up on defense as well, in part defending Mahomes and and company. Steelers and Patriots on Sunday. Injuries, the storyline. T.J. Watt, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, all on the injury report. Of course, T.J. Watt's on IR. Uh, Both offenses look pedestrian in week one. First, First team to 20. This first team to 20 win this game. Per uh, CBS, the Steelers and Patriots in Week 2 will be the first game without Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger since 1998. (laughs) That game featured Drew Bledsoe and Cordell Stewart. It's been that long. Shine is really off. I mean, did not expect a Cordell Stewart reference in today's one thing in every NFL, NFL game. I knew it was a long time. 98. 98 is he. I moved here in 1997. In the 1998 football season, I was a junior in high school. It's a long in time. The, in the girls' layup line. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> or getting dunked on no, by Ron Slay. It, it was a full scrimmage, actually, <laughs> that we were involved in. Giants and Panthers. The Giants, the G-Men, 1-0, and uh, headed uh, to uh, back home to, for their home opener against Carolina. Until Sunday, the Giants had dropped 10 of their previous 11 season openers. The Giants have not started 2-0 since 2016. That's also the last time they made the playoffs. The G-Men are home the next three weeks. Carolina, Dallas, and Chicago. A great start for them is not out of the question, Dude, guys. They could be 4-0, and, and it would be meaningless. I mean, I don't think it's good as a Giants fan to have them do really well because what you need is a high draft pick. They're not They're not well, good. Let me. let me just say, Without Dak Prescott for an extended amount of time, is it meaningless if they get out to a 4-0 they start? Could. Well, here's my question. No, it's not. A- and listen, Are they the second-best team I in the division ne- behind the Eagles at that point? I would never discourage a fan from rooting to get into the playoffs, but is it good for the New York Giants to get the seventh seed in the playoffs? Yes. Yes. 
Based on where they've been, yes. Don't let them screw up another high pick, Paul. I, I mean, I, I think there's a good debate to be had there. Let's let's put that on the shelf and get back to it. Browns after they win and this weekend. Jets. The Jets stopped the run well in Week One. That's what that's what Cleveland wants to do. They held the Ravens to 63 total yards rushing. Uh, that's the lowest output since Jackson has been the starter for Baltimore. Flacco. Joe Flacco has won 17 of his 20 games against Cleveland as a starting quarterback. Well, he was quarterbacking a Baltimore team that had a superior defense. But I don't, I don't care. That's still we're talking. We're talking Joe Flacco. That's among the best records against uh, uh, one opponent of any starting quarterback in the history of the game. Uh, of course, Brady's in that group and others. Flacco's amongst that. Cade York, by the way, responsible for Cleveland. He's responsible for 14 of their 26 points in week one. Cade York. I'll take the Browns does, anyway. Does Joe Flacco show up and claim ownership of Cleveland the way Aaron Rodgers claimed ownership of Chicago? He, he's he's claiming prima nocta on yes. Sunday. Jags and Colts. Best start to the season for Indianapolis since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Got a tie in week yes, one. Yes, that tie, baby. The Jags have lost 30 of their last 34 games, but they know how to beat if, the Colts. If what? they beat the Colts in this game, they know surely, how to beat the Colts. surely national media has to say something bad about the Colts I would if they lose. How did John McClain describe it? You know, a tie, a normal tie is like kissing, kissing your sister, sister, but tying the Texans is like, like kissing, kissing your brother. Your brother. <laughs> that was great. So good. J.K. Dobbins trending towards playing for Baltimore this week as they host the Dolphins. That's a great sign for the rushing attack I was alluding to that got nothing done against the Jets' defense. Tua spread it around to nine different receivers in week one, and it feels, this game to me, Ravens-Dolphins, feels like a tiebreaker game that we look back on. Maybe not for getting in the playoffs or out of the playoffs. Maybe it's just for seeding. But I feel like the head-to-head matchup plays a factor later, uh, just based on how we view both teams in their divisions. It'd be a really good win for Miami. Uh, Saints and Bucks. Tom Brady is one and four against New Orleans since becoming the starting quarterback in Tampa. His one win was in the NFC Divisional Playoff round. New Orleans won nine nothing the last time these two teams played. One of the three games Brady has been shut out of his NFL career was against this Saints defense. He has had some bad games against this team. I mean, I feel like. They're favored on the road, by the way, the Bucks are. They do, to change it up. And Vegas is say, saying the same thing. You had the stat about 98, Cordell Stewart yep. versus Drew Bledsoe. And I said I was a junior in high school in 98. And sarcasm on, uh, what, on, what? on, on our YouTube page says, in 1998, I was 24 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Love that. Fair enough. Love that response. Lions and Commanders. The Lions are favored for the first time in 24 games. Paul, you did your Fox News rundown on this this morning. Uh, That is a Super Bowl-era record length of time of Vegas underdogs. The last time they were favored on the road, our favorite period came on the road against Carolina, November 22nd, 2020. Dan Campbell, uh, and and they lost that game, by the way. They were shut out, and they lost that game to... Carolina. Uh, P.J. Walker. Oh, okay. (laughs) So not even anybody good beating him. Dan Campbell last year became a huge favorite of betters because his Lions were 11-6 against the spread. Well, last season, uh, four of Detroit's last six games have been decided by four or fewer points. 
They will lose as favorites again. Lions and Vikings, close losses. 49ers, Seahawks. Niners are facing Seattle, Denver, and the Rams in that order over the next three weeks. Trey Lance has got to be on a short leash, right, based on that schedule. And we know Jimmy G's on the bench, ready to go. And Jimmy G is 31-14 and 14 as the starter of San Francisco. Just to put that in comparison, Ryan Tannehill is 33-17 and 17 as the starter of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the dude wins if he's in the lineup. Um, Shanahan, though, did call a very conservative game based on the weather. We'll see what happens this week against the, uh, the Seahawks. Rams and Falcons, Atlanta. So this is why Arthur Smith got testy with the media. They have made choking a trend with the Falcons. Last Sunday was the fifth time since the Super Bowl and the fourth time in the past three years where the Falcons have squandered at least a lead of 16 points or more. So, of course, they, they lost the 28-3 advantage in the Super Bowl. Since then, it's happened four other times, including last Sunday. I would say, in this instance, it's a, uh, a symbol of a bad team. Like, bad teams don't finish game. And he doesn't have that much talent. So, it's impressive that they get leads. And it's expected to me that they don't hold them. Well, the league is set up to be in a close game. The good teams win them, the bad teams lose them. I mean, yes, that is a byproduct of just being a bad team. That you're losing close. You're losing leads at times in games. So they're doing something when they get those leads that they shouldn't be doing. And then they quit in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter last year, the Falcons were last in points scored, 28th in points allowed, and 31st in point differential. I mean, they get crushed in the final quarter. Raiders and Cardinals. Vegas allowed six sacks last week, including a game-clinching strip sack in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. Chandler Jones is going against his former team here with Arizona. The Cardinals week one, um, I thought this was a great line by by Dave Pash, who I, this is a shameless plug, I worked with him in the preseason, this past preseason. Listening to his call, he said, basi- he said basically what we saw at home today against the Chiefs is we have now had week 19 of last year, where you have what happened in, in LA in the playoff game and the same result happened here where you get boat raced and you just turn your you turn around and go, what just happened? You have whiplash from it. That's what the Chiefs did to them. That's a big this, this is a big game this for could Arizona. Be week 20 yep. of last year. Yeah, big game a, for Cliff Kingsbury. Yes. Broncos and Texans, gents. Uh Denver has been the center of attention with Nathaniel Hackett, of course, uh, with the the the, the sixty four yard field goal. The bigger issue may be penalties. And fumbling. Fumbling on the goal line and then the undisciplined. They were flagged 12 times for 106 yards on Monday Night Football in Seattle. And now they take on a Texans team who kept it together. I get it. It was a tie and they allowed the comeback. Kept it together with their young quarterback in Davis Mills. Uh, Big road test for Houston. Cowboys and Bengals. Dallas is the only team that has been unable to score a touchdown so far this season. And Burrow was sacked seven times. He was hurried eight times. Intercepted four times, fumbled twice, and they should have won that game last week. I bet he plays clean as could be in this game. Let me, let me give a just a big prediction for this game. Go ahead. Cowboys will be the only team to not score a quarterback a, a touchdown for back-to-back weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'll go into week three okay. after this game with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Sunday like night it. football. Paul did not like this matchup to begin. Now it's very intriguing because the Packers are 0-1 and the Bears are 1-0. I still hate it. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 23-5 and five straight up against the Bears, including the playoffs. Rodgers has won and covered at least, uh, excuse me, he's won and covered in his last six meetings against Chicago. We know what happened last time where he said he owned the franchise and went through the middle finger to one of the fans. Uh, the Packers are 2-2 two and two in season openers against Matt LaFleur, and they're 37-9 and nine outside of week one. This Bears roster's bad. And rosters this bad shouldn't be on the game of the week. How many, to your point, Paul, how many Sunday night football games are a double-digit point spread? I'd bet there's not many over the years. You could say that going into it. This is a 10.5-point line, I think, the Packers favored by double digits. We'll check the ratings. Oh, the ratings will be outstanding. The Raiders would be outstanding if you put Jags-Lions on. I don't think it'd be as good as this. No, no. <laughs> but they would they would be good. No. People would watch, but not as good as uh, these well, two Aaron Rodgers is franchises. Well, it's yeah. also Chicago. I mean, Chicago has a massive Huge following. Yep. And that's why they're on. It has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with a roster, I mean, to Paul's point. Uh, Bills-Titans, the first of two Monday night games coming up. Uh, the Bills have not punted in three of their four last four regular season games. They have not punted the football in three of their last four regular season games. That is an NFL record uh, since the uh, they started charting punts back in 1939. Titans' offensive line was not tested by the Giants, who were without their two best pass rushers in that opening day game. This is a whole different deal. The Bills have waves of pass rushers who will be fresh in this game. Uh, Taylor Lewan did not practice today or was limited. Ben Jones, same as at center. And then you've got a rookie right tackle and uh, first year starting left guard I smell trouble so just sticking on their offense for a bit with the offensive line Derrick Henry last year against the Bills he rushed 20 times 149 yards three touchdowns Uh, he needs two touchdowns to become the third player in franchise history with 70 and that would be with Earl Campbell and Eddie George and I don't know would you guys say this is alarming or great so rookies in the nfl in week one a combined all the players combined for 49 catches the titans had seven of the 49 rookie receivers it's not good for the current titans it's good for the future titans (laughs) for the 2022 titans that's not a good stat and uh one of those guys kyle phillips uh i can't remember if he's limited or out today i think he was out not good. Eagles and Vikings will kick off, what, about an hour after? About halftime. Roughly. Um, Aaron Rodgers told Minnesota wide receiver Justin Jefferson last week that he is the best player in the NFL. Justin Jefferson is the best player in the NFL. And uh, now it's Justin Jefferson against A.J. Brown on Monday Night Football. Um, and, and here's Minnesota. They're running a lot more out of 11 personnel. They're using motion a lot more than they did last year, just based off one game. But O'Connell versus what we saw last year offensively, it's it's different. And last season, going to Philly, the Eagles finished 28 in red zone defense. On Sunday, the Lions were 4 for 4 when they reached the red zone. So the Eagles defense did not stand up to what we would expect from last year. The offense improved. Go back to the Titans for a second. Christian Fulton, who would have a big role with Stephon Diggs, did not practice with the hamstring. Dontrell Hilliard, who caught two touchdown passes, did not practice with the hamstring. And Kyle Phillips, 
who was as crafty and good a receiver as they had in that game at a position where they have zero depth did not practice with the shoulder. Yeah, not good, Paul. That's what you're and saying. And that's a Thursday after they had an extra day of rest. Chad, your thoughts? Not good. <laughs> not good. Not, not the least bit. Not good at all. But these are games they win. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. It's, it, so I, I, I was going to save this for tomorrow, but it fits right now. Underdogs. When the Titans are underdogs. Um, against Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, when they're underdogs, the 28 games as an underdog by a field goal or more. Tennessee is 19-9 and nine straight up in those games when they're an underdog by a field goal or more. That's an amazing stat line. This, these are games they win. They play up they're and going, down to their competition. They're going to play a lot better in this game. They're also I the underdog a lot. I just don't see it. I don't <laughs> yeah, see that's it. A, that's a decent What's their record when they're a double-digit underdog? I'd like to know. Have they been a double-digit well, underdog? Chad, I can't answer half, everything for you. So it's yeah. not... Yeah, I mean, you got so many facts during this um, segment that, that I just assume I do have this though. You can answer this any is question through the Action Network of the 136 NFL coaches to be listed as an underdog of a field goal or more since 2018. Vrabel is the most profitable coach straight up, and I tweeted out yesterday. I'm not worried about an 0-1 start, and I'm not trying to over or undervalue an 0-2 start potentially because of. The, you know, a number of reasons. But number one is Mike Vrabel. He somehow conjures churns, it up. He churns out wins when you're least expecting and he keeps his team in playoff contention. So I I, I would take the points in this. As crazy Paul just listed off every reason not to. And for that reason I would take the points in this. I would take the points. I'm not taking Expecting the Titans to win. Yeah. Hutton, one more question. Are Go ghosts ahead. are ghosts real? I feel like you have every fact known to man. I'd, I've never seen one, um, <laughs> but you know, if other Let people. Me that I, I have family members who who the maintain no. that they have seen them. You know, but I've never seen one. They have seen a vision created by their mind because they saw a scary movie. That's my guess. It's a dream. I didn't really want to get into a deep discussion no, about I, it. It's a great question. It's I'm a just dream. I'm asking that because so many facts during that segment. I feel like you could answer anything. So many facts, but you were you're really I, I think you're really you, non-committal on the ghost question though. Well, because people I trust maintain they've seen them, so, but I'm I'm skeptical. You know me, I would say no. Do aliens exist? <laughs> because a lot of people that are smart also claim to have seen aliens. I don't, I don't. I feel like people are quicker to dismiss aliens as opposed to ghosts. A lot of people do a lot of dreaming, and then they think that's real. Yes. A lot of UFO sightings take, take place outside of big cities where the population is a lot larger, where people have cell phones that can tape things. There's a lot of sightings out there nowadays that are never with a big crowd. Yeah, why is That's every picture never with a good camera? Never why with a good camera or a, good, or a big crowd. There's always one or two people, and that makes we, me ask questions. We've about got it. the military, you know, videos some available now of like uh, just UFOs. Right. Not necessarily alien, but they can't identify what it was. I don't know. Another uh, this is for another show. It's for another show. It's not for this show. Why? Cuz we got a hell of a guest coming. <laughs> Play that X-File. X-File Billy Lucci's coming up. He joins us uh for the third or David fourth David Duchovny will join us next to talk about it. <laughs> Former star of X-Files. The uh, the co-owner of Texags.com, uh the authority when it comes to Aggie football. We'll dive into the impact of last week's loss and what this stretch run means 
for the overall program, the recruiting class, all the buzz on campus and off. Billy Lucci with us next to discuss Texas A&M on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Across the Outkick Network and broadcasting from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360 rolls on. The crew is all here. And uh, guys, one of my favorite guys to talk to across college football is on the line with us. Billy Lucci, texags.com. A lot to discuss with Texas A&M, the loss to Appalachian State, and now the stretch run, Billy, where we previewed the season and the stretch run was starting this coming week against Miami. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're coming off a loss to Appalachian State with no one saw coming. What is the mood and the morale and the reaction right now in College Station? And, and by the way, hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing <laughs> fine. We had, a, we had a good week over here at, at the house, and uh, I've managed to mix in some good, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, comfort food and, and a concert upcoming and going to see the chili peppers this weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. Have you, hey, have you had a bad week? You said you've had a good week. Have you ever had a bad week? You seem like someone who's all, every week's good for you. There must be, there's some probably that are worse than others, but yeah, I mean, you guys know how it is. We all have teams and it gets, a, it gets doubly rough when it's the team, your, your team that you, you know, went to school and that's your team. And then also the team you cover, because I knew, you know, about the time that field goal went, you know, yes. off to the right, yeah. almost out of the stadium, I knew it was going to be a, a not nearly as fun work week. But it is what it is. I, f- I feel, I feel for the guys, you know, the the players over there and the guys in that building, uh, the coaches and stuff. I mean, it's rough on you guys. Know how that goes, but it's also their job to get it right, and, and particularly the coaches. But also even the players, you know, everybody does this whole thing. Well, they're just kids. You can't be too. Well, you don't need to be unfair. And to, in today's uh, social media world, I did see a little too much uh, ridicule of, let's say, uh, in particular, Haynes King. Uh, I, I just, you know, in today's Twitter world, there's way too many adults that have too much fun at, at the expense of these guys. Well, they get paid. Still, they're 18 to 22. And they're out there just trying to play football and win games for, you know, for fan bases and, and donors and mega million dollar coaches. So you feel bad about it, but you're also like, hey, you got 10 more of these and, and you're all four or five star recruits. Your coach is getting paid a ton of money. So are the assistants and it's the job to go fix it. So you're right. The stretch was supposed to start now. No one had that coming. Uh, if they play like they've played in the first two games, they're going to have a really bad season. But I've been doing this long enough to know that a lot can change for a football team after game one and two. Usually you'd like that wake-up call to be a 17-14 win, not a 17-14 loss, but it is what it is. And and those dudes don't have any time to feel sorry for themselves. The mood around here has not been good, though I'll tell you that. There's a lot of uh, 
oh my God, all that buildup in the season's over already. That That's the beauty and the beast of college football, isn't it? Well, Billy, and look, you've, we'll get back to on-field stuff also, but you've got the pulse of that fan base and you've got the pulse of a lot of powerful people uh, outside the program, boosters, yeah. people that spend a lot of money with the program. What are they thinking th- this week? Is, is there a level of patience with Jimbo Fisher and everything, the way it's going? H- how much anger is there? Because one of the things people said with NIL right away was, boy, these boosters are going to want a refund all over yeah. America when they start contributing yep. to NIL funds and the players aren't producing and you lose games, it's going to get ugly in a hurry. Is it getting no ugly question. in College Station? No, and, and you know, there's a negative to signing a enormous long-term kind of inescapable contract, and there's also a positive to it. One of the things is if, if Jimbo Fisher didn't have that massive contract where they couldn't, there was no way of, of A&M getting out of it after this year, Texas A&M wasn't going to move on Jimbo Fisher in year five anyway. Uh, with the way he's been recruiting, everybody wants to do that comparison of Sumlin and Jimbo. The A&M football trajectory has been going up. You know, it went right up until last year. And then, and then even after eight and four, you had that win over Bama. You guys were here for that. You had the, uh, the recruiting class after that. So even despite that, it still felt like that trajectory was going upwards, whereas Sumlin, it, you know, and the comparison is through four years. Well, five and six were rough for Sumlin, and the first two were, you know, Johnny Manziel led. So it felt completely different. Now it feels completely different after Saturday because now you're sitting there looking at that schedule, and, you know, a lot of donors and alumni, just like all the fans, just like you guys in the media, we're all going to look at that and go, man, they could lose that one, they could lose that one probably lose to Bama on the road. They could, and it starts, you start to go, man, what kind of season is this going to be? A, I would say there's a lot of season to play. B, it was a shocker from the standpoint that I think there were a lot of really, really uh, pissed off important people leaving that stadium or sitting up there in those founder suites, uh, you know, during that game. But it came so quick out of nowhere that I think everybody that I've talked to this week and some of those people you're talking about, I've actually had dinner with a couple times this week already. And it's more about, let's see how they respond. And it's also a knowledge that, look, we're not blowing this thing up anytime soon. Number one, because they can't. And number two, because you, you, they can't knee jerk on this thing because everyone at A&M was convinced that they had had their guy. And if Jimbo Fisher would have left for LSU, you know, a few months ago, everyone in the country would have said it was the biggest disaster ever for Texas A&M and that they would never recover and they couldn't hold on to a coach that left for their own conference. And LSU got their guy who they did want above Brian Kelly, uh, or at least they, the AD did and the powers that be. But so it doesn't change like that with the loss to App State. It, I, there's a high degree of frustration 90% of it, though, I feel like has to do with, with the AM offense, which I think that's what's under everyone's skin right now because there are a lot you can look at with the offense. And you can look at the last two games. You can go back to last year and you can say, well, they didn't have Haynes. But, well, now we're seeing Haynes. You scored one offensive touchdown against Colorado last year. You scored one offensive touchdown against Appalachian State. 
You scored one offensive touchdown against Arkansas, none against Auburn, and you scored 20 points somehow, but none against Auburn. Um, so it's a real problem. And it's something that that Jimbo's got to fix, whether it's, you know, finding the right fit at quarterback, because unlike last year, he does have options. Uh, or I think it's a combination, too. He needs to really look at what they're doing and say, why, why have we not run the football with, with Devon A. Chain and a couple of returning starters up front? They're about to get a third one back this week in the center, Bryce Foster. But why are we not able to run the ball very well uh, against two teams that we really should overmatch? No doubt. Billy Lucci, our guest from Texags.com. Take us through those quarterback options. We've heard so much about these recruiting classes. I, I grow tiresome of it. If there, if there isn't a quarterback in those recruiting right. classes, I don't particularly care about the recruiting classes. I think you're right. And there, the thing is, I'll tell you this, for starters, there's a quarterback in the recruiting class. And I think it's the, he's the most uh, promising one Jimbo signed since being at A&M and, and maybe since Jameis Winston. I, I think that Connor Wigman – is going to be a, a ridiculously good football player at AM. I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback. He's already, if you go out on a given day, you there's a chance you think he's the best quarterback out there. He he's he's way ahead of where I thought he'd be as a true freshman, but he's still a true freshman in game two. When your backup is a guy that started a year and a half in the SEC. Um, and I do think there's a world where if if you're a smart program, and you've got a guy like Wigman, who A&M kind of went all in on over, you know, Cade Klubnick, who's at, who's at Clemson right now and promising. Uh, and Texas fans would not <clears throat> want to hear this, but Quinn Ewers circled back after Ohio State and asked if there was room for him at A&M, or the, the family did. And I think he would have ended up at Texas anyway because the way the NIL thing went, I don't think A&M – could have NIL, they NIL him, the multiple millions. You got to do the same thing uh, with your other signees. So I don't think, contrary to what people say, there wasn't that much going around in Aggieland that, that 30 million was made up. But with Connor, I do think you have to look at it and go, man, there's a bye week after Alabama. And you before you go to South Carolina, if you're sitting with at, at two and four at that point, and you've already gone through King and, and, and Max Johnson. So is there a plan going on kind of behind the scenes to accelerate his readiness? Because I do think he's the future, and I do think he's the quarterback in that class, and he was the five-star and the number two-ranked guy in the country. But for today, for Miami, for Arkansas, for Mississippi State, for Alabama, when you're playing guys named Van Dyke, Jefferson, Rodgers, and Young, you better have good quarterback play. And like you said, all the talent in the world, if you can't block and you don't have it at this right situation at QB, you're not going to win football games. So they've got to shore up the O-line. I mentioned center Bryce Foster uh, returning to action. And then at quarterback, you know, there's a guy in between King and Wigman that was kind of brought in to compete with Haynes to start. But also I considered him kind of the ultimate insurance policy or kind of the uh, – you know, pull this lever, you know, in case of emergency. Well, I, I'm, I don't see how, if you're Jimbo, you don't think you're there at this point. Um, with the way the offense has performed, it's not all on Haynes. There's a lot going on, but the one 
quarterback is the one position, kind of going back to what you said, in sports, on a, in a team sport, I don't think anything matters more than quarterback. And you got a guy sitting there who hasn't played yet, who threw 27 touchdown six picks last year at LSU. He beat AM by throwing a bunch of dimes on the last drive of the game, including a fourth down completion and a touchdown with 30 seconds left. He won in the swamp against the top six Florida team in November. Nearly shoot out with Ole Miss. Nearly won in Tuscaloosa. Max Johnson. Yeah. And nearly won in Tuscaloosa. That would be Max Johnson. And so I would be really surprised, frankly, if, if we didn't see him come out and start this weekend. I would be really surprised. And I'm just saying, just knowing where things are at, it's kind of why you signed him, guys. It really is. I mean, if he would have beat Haynes out in camp, then that too. But you really signed him for depth and because – and that's why Max came. I believe that's why he came to A&M was – you signed him for depth, but you also signed him because you had a starting quarterback that that had won the job last year and you knew it would be hard to beat out this year. But you also knew that he had, you know, had a significant injury the year before and you didn't know exactly what you had, you know, in games. Now you've had a couple games and, and really three total, uh, Kent State, Appalachian State and Sam Houston. And then you got a quarterback that you can go pop tape in or go watch practice. You have a lot of body of work with him. Y'all are all three sitting there. I think, I think you'd all say the same thing if you were the head coach. So I, I think I'd be very surprised if 14 didn't trot out there with the first team on Saturday and not 13. Billy, this is uh, I, I, my, I'm reading this on Monday. And I raise an eyebrow to the quote. And, and normally, if it's one player, I'm thinking, ah, they're just saying something to you know give a good answer in the press, but it was two of their leaders. Anaya Smith says, quote, there were times when people weren't bought in. You could see it in practice, and it showed in the game. Talking about App State. And then uh, Damani Richardson says, uh, in regards to what Anaya said, that's a true statement. Guys could buy in more. We have to do a better job as leaders. I'm, yeah. I'm stunned by that. With all the offseason talk and knowing what's ahead – for yeah. their season and all the hype behind it of chasing Bama and knowing that everyone's bought into where at worst people think they're the second best team in the West. I'm stunned that after the app state game, they're saying that in the locker room. Yeah. I didn't like hearing it, but I also, I also interviewed Anias the next day and, and there's some truth in, you know, he's speaking some truth, but it was also kind of one of those things where you, you guys know when you get these dudes in here after losses, they're going to say exactly what they think everyone in the media wants to hear, which is, you know, take all this ownership and we need to do a better job. There's some truth to it, but also a lot of what they were talking about when I asked him to kind of expound on it the next day. And he said, I'm glad you asked was they're talking about things like buying in to run the route you're asked to run and, and cut it off the way you're supposed to cut it off, buying in to make the block that you're asked to block to, you know, to, hoof it on special, you know, all those things more so like not a, a locker room culture thing. There are but I do think there's, yeah, yeah. but there's truth. In other words, not buying in by, you're not listening to do exactly what you're expected to do. But he did say also, you know, there, there are things such as, you know, getting, getting to class when you're supposed to be, at, you know, at class being to meetings on time. 
And I think a lot of that may have been aimed at some of these freshmen. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking liberties here to say that, sure. but that's kind of what I, what I feel like because so many of them are playing. And I think that's, I think that's very normal, maybe outside of Tuscaloosa. And I think Nick Saban probably deals with it too. Cause you probably see guys that you don't, you wonder why they're not playing and they're probably benched early in their careers. And, uh, you know, you saw a couple of them end up in Austin that that kind of you'd heard in 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 T Town that they were kind of outside the the nest, so to speak. Uh, but I I do think that was kind of a not so subtle message to say, hey, some of these young guys need to get with the program. And I, but I don't think that's out of control and something that you know like isn't happening at a lot of places. You don't like hearing it though after a loss that early in the season because. What that tells me is, you know, what are we expecting? A light switch to go off with some of these guys? And maybe a loss would do that. But guys like Anias and Damani, that tells me that, like, say, coming into this week, you know, there's going to be some tough conversations with some guys that, in, in a way, distracts from the task at hand. And, and you would have thought these things would have happened, you know, in camp. I, I don't think – I think it's very common in camp. I think it's less common – into the season, but but here we are, Billy. I'm watching uh, Hard Knocks Detroit Lions, and I, I'm thinking about yeah. you because uh, <laughs> I, I'm watching Dan Campbell, and I'm thinking this is a guy who probably hasn't changed much uh, since his college days. Uh, just how blunt he is in the way he speaks to his team. I'm sure you're probably thinking the same thing, being as close as you are to to Dan Campbell. I, I've enjoyed watching it. I've loved watching it. We've been making fun of him, me and our, our other roommates, and you know. Leckler being one of them, we give him the hardest time. Uh, but no, he that's exactly who he is. I have my guys at work say, you can tell you guys are friends. You, you the, At that last scene when he's walking around practice, nicknaming everybody, they go, you guys have the same cadence. I had a, a girlfriend of mine up in Dallas message me saying, hey, has anyone ever said that you remind them of the Lions coach? And I started laughing. I said, <laughs> you know, that's my roommate for like three years in college. And she said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I go, I, I never mentioned that to you. She was like, no, I've been watching that show. And she'd been telling her roommate or whatever that that reminds me of Billy. They talk the same. They sent, and I'm like, the guy, he's genuine. And that's why I really, we're all, I think everybody's rooting for him unless you just hate the Lions for some reason. But he, it's why as players, I told somebody the other day, I said, watch the first episode and then the last one where he's having to cut the guys and watch the first one because you have to hear him come out quoting Metallica and whatnot. But I'm telling you, man, I uh, I could tell stories all day, but this whole Metallica thing, it cracks me up because he, I skipped a Metallica concert with him one time and I skipped it and I never heard the end of it and Leckler went. And Dan was talking about how great it was, and Leckler standing behind him doing this. <laughs> well, I told Dan about that, and about twenty years later, like a couple of years ago, we're in Cabo and we're at dinner having a few. You know, we've had a few tequilas, and uh, Dan ends up deciding to bring up because I was someone that worked at Texags. Her dad managed Metallica, so it, it was an awesome deal. I had to get to have dinner with them, and I said, "Hey, Dan, you know, I had dinner with Metallica." He's like, "What?" Course. And then Leckler goes, I did too. You know, I was with Robert Gallery, Oakland, and we had dinner with Hatfield. And Dan, Dan says, oh, yeah, did you tell him how bad you thought his concert sucked? And he, 
<laughs> it literally turns into a real fight. He's like, you guys, you guys are so soft. I if Hetfield knew how you really were, he, and it just it became an actual thing where Dan was just blasting Shane uh, about Metallica. He's like, why don't you tell him how much better you like Kenny Chesney's concert? <laughs> so, that was like the whole dinner just went off the rails. And, and that was literally 20 years after the fact. And I just told him, yeah, you know, Shane hated that concert. So it's pretty. And so when he comes out in the show, quoting Metallica, you know, our text messages just start blowing up. Billy Lucci has been our guest. The man. Uh, he always has a great story. We learn he has dinner with Metallica. I don't know how he tops that, but the next <laughs> well, time he will. Well, I don't know the how College Station. Yeah. Uh, just for the record, uh, Jimbo's buyout is nearly $90 million. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's not happening. It's not I mean, happening. Anyone that brings this no, up. No. And, okay. like, and, and you, you, know, you hope that it doesn't go off the rails to the point where, you know, if to me, if they go – if they this Saturday's big though, it's not big in terms of Jimbo Fisher getting fired, but you guys know how important it is to keep stacking recruiting. They're having their yeah. biggest recruiting weekend of the season. They've got a ton of five stars coming in, including several from Florida. And you've got Miami at Kyle Field at night. By the way, it's still two top 25 teams. It's the only such game yeah. this weekend. They're still the U. And Look, I think it's the second biggest game Jimbo's coached here, and I think there's a lot of similarities to the Florida game a couple years ago. A&M can't win the big game. They're in year three. What have they done? Florida's coming in top five. A&M barely beat Vandy two weeks earlier. And, and then it, it kind of – against a familiar foe that Jimbo has kind of owned, Florida, Miami, it kind of all, it kind of all came together at that point. So – uh, we'll see if they can, if Jimbo can replicate it against another Florida State rival. Because it, I wouldn't say it'll, it, it won't save the season, but it'll, it has the potential to ruin the season if you lose this one with what's coming up in the SEC. And guys, in closing, if they're going to go beat a really good Arkansas team, really good, not great, but really good, if you're going to go beat them, I don't see any way you go do that coming off back to back losses. You need that positivity that momentum, that feel-good, the opposite of what you heard from Anias and Damani. You need a week of that and, and, and a quarterback coming off a victory to have a chance up in Jerry World the next week. They need to go 2-0 and because, to me, how do you wipe away Appalachian State? If you beat number 13 Miami and number 10 Arkansas, as crazy as it sounds, and I'm not saying they're going to do that, if they do – that App State thing matters so much less than it does today, and there's no way anyone could say otherwise. Billy Lucy. Tall task, though. Texags.com, no doubt, uh, has been our guest. Billy, you're the best, man. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Billy. as always. Right, guys. We look forward to the, the next time. Thank you. Love the show. You enjoy enjoy the peppers, man. All right. There he goes. Uh, Billy Lucci uh, with the latest there on Texas A&M. Uh, coming up, we wrap up the show, get you ready for Thursday night football on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
Big thanks to Billy Lucci for joining us. Guys, do the Chargers have it in them again to go on the road and beat the Chiefs again in Arrowhead? They did it a couple years ago. They beat them once last year. Are they winning tonight? I'm going Chiefs tonight. I'm not a, not a Chargers guy. I think Chiefs win. I, and I'm, I'm, we talked about it earlier, but I'm taking the over. It's going to be a shootout, and Chiefs will cover the four and a half. Is that what it's at it's right now? It's four and a half, and Make the sure over is move. 54 points. Chargers' path to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl gets a lot easier if they beat the Chiefs in an upset tonight. So uh, I'm on the Chargers bandwagon all the way on. So I say yes. And if they lose it, I say they find a more difficult path. I, I'm taking the Chargers on the road because of their defense, believe it or not, with Mack and Bosa. And uh, we still have not heard on J.C. Jackson. I was looking during the break just to see if we could definitively say if the corner's playing. Not playing? Oh, game time. It ruins game time decision. Um, I'm taking the Chargers on the road. I, I believe in Justin Herbert and the ascension of this tier of quarterbacks for year three guys with him and Burrow that are going to take off. Interested in watching the broadcast tonight, too. It's a great game. On Amazon Prime. So that's a big part of my intrigue, is watching how this is carried out. So this uh, this remains, where Paul and I are heavy chargers. Chad is not. Chad is anti-chargers. I've been proven right so we far. We need to find combinations of things. Still no playoff appearances for Fair. Justin Herbert. We need to find combinations of things where we're two-on-one. So we know this one. We will uh, all be in favor of previewing the weekend of football tomorrow. Hope you'll join us at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central for Outkick 360. Hey, read that sign. Don't block the box, but be sure to lock your locks. See ya!